Good morning, everybody. Let's stand together. Oh, what a blessing to be together this morning. Bring in the new year. With this great declaration. Let's declare this together. the Lord's. It's his victory, it's his battle. Let's live each day that way in 2021. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Sing that with me now. Every war he wages, that's right, he will win. I'm not backing down from any child. Sing that together. I know how this story is. I'm gonna see a victory. Come on. I'm gonna see a victory. Let's declare it. That's his battle. Turn it for 
My fight is not my own It's in
can be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, it is our privilege, our honor to be together today, gathered in the middle of a pandemic, gathered in your presence and before you. We're here to honor you, Lord. We're here to glorify you, the glory that is yours. And we just sang about that. That line just stuck out to me, the glory that is yours, Lord. And Father, we, we heave it all your way. We throw it all your way. We give it all to you your glory, your honor. And so, Father, we bless you and praise you and thank you. And Father, we thank you that even as we turn the corner into a new year, Lord, we do it with belief. We do it with faith. We do it with trust. We do it with hope. We do it with expectation. Believing, God, that you are the God of the impossible. You make all things possible. So, Lord, we stand on your word. We stand also in our relationship with you and the fact that we have history with you. And so, Father, we're thankful for you. We honor and bless you today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen and amen. Praise God. Good to see everybody. How are you doing? Amen. Welcome to 2021. Amen. Woohoo! Hey, we made it through 2020, right? Hallelujah. We're here. And I want to celebrate that today because here's the deal. Nothing really changed when the clock struck 12, right? I mean, other than our own mindset and our own mentality. 
And that's the beauty of it. We can come into this new year with faith and expectation and, and hope and belief and trust and just out and out audacious, bold belief, right? And, and we can do that in the name of Jesus. I want to invite you to come along with us on this journey. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge and just want to welcome you here today. Those of you that are watching online, thanks for joining us today. If you are online and you have any prayer requests, feel free to email us at uh, info at fbg, or bridge, fbg.com, and we'll get that out to our prayer team. We want to pray for you and stand with you. Also, if you're watching online, uh, welcome, but also we're going to be doing communion in a little bit, so you might want to get your communion elements. Feel free to join us in that. And then the last thing we also just want to say, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, let us know you're watching. You can comment, ask questions, you can private message us, whatever. Let us know where you're from. We love to see where pe people are from. And also as a reminder for us as we review that page to pray for you by name and lift you up. So thanks for being here. We know that with what's going on and we're seeing a really serious spike in COVID cases uh, all around us right now. Uh, Gillespie County, Kerr, Kendall, Bear, obviously Bear has been terrible from the start. And so we want to take a moment to pray and stand and believe for protection and provision. Amen. And uh, a lot of our own folks, we've had it in and out. I had it two weeks ago and got it, got through it. I praise God. I felt like I had the mild version. And if I had the mild version, I hate to see the severe version. So I'm just saying it's, it's serious stuff. And so um, here's what I say about you and why you don't see us uh, masked up and everything. And if you are, you're welcome to do that. And, and honestly, no shame or anything. But you're informed, you're intelligent, and the last I checked, you're free. This is still America. Amen? And so, yeah, that's my heart on that. So, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll allow you to police yourself, so to speak. So let's pray together. I want to pray um, also for the churches here in our community, and then also for those that are very important people to us. You may have your VIP card with you. If you don't, you can pick one up at the Connect Center on the way out. But it's 14 blanks, and these blanks are meant for us to fill them in with people that we're praying for. We're praying for people to come to know Jesus as Savior. And really, that's the heart. That's the crux of the matter. We want to see people born again. We want to see people saved, come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Seven blanks for that. So people in your orbit, your relational uh, sphere of influence, put those down. And then on the other side, we're praying for people to reconnect. We want them to reconnect with God. Come back. We're calling the prodigals home. I want the prodigals to come home and reconnect with God, reconnect with the bride, the family of God, spiritual family, her, the church. And so those are what we're doing. So I want to pray for these right now. And we're also going to pray for the churches in our community that are gathered right now, our sister churches that we're walking arm in arm with, hand in hand, believing God for the kingdom, the kingdom, the heaven to invade earth. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for these on our card, Lord, that they're very important people to us, but we know they're even more important to you. You love and value each one because, Jesus, you yourself came to this earth and you lived and you died for them. But even better, you were resurrected for them. For every person, every person on this planet has value to you. Everyone. Because they're created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And so, Lord, we lift them up. We also pray, Lord, for the churches that are gathering in our community. We celebrate them and ask you, God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit this year, 2021? May we look back and say, 2020 was a year when you started something, that, that a mark was left that can never be erased, and that, that led to the greatest revival we've ever known in 2021. Father, my heart's expectant 
I'm believing for you to move in amazing and miraculous ways this year. Lord, even as you have because of our history in you, we know you can do it again. So we're asking you, God, do it again. So, Lord, we pray for the churches gathering today that their pulpits would burn with a fire of anointing and power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we're praying also for our community and the surrounding area. Lord, that you would by literally, miraculously, and supernaturally eradicate COVID from our region in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we would never have to walk in fear but walk by faith. We would walk with wisdom and grace and understanding and trust and, and understanding of each other, compassion. But, Lord, we would not be moved by fear, but we would only be moved by faith. And we're asking for a favor as sons and daughters to a good father. Lord, would you eradicate this thing, stop this thing, arrest it, and literally cast it into the abyss where it belongs. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen and amen. Thank you for being in agreement there. If you are a first-time guest here today, we want to celebrate you. And we do this by simply clapping for you. So can we bless our first-time guests? If you are a first-time guest, we have a gift for you. Wendy's got it right there, and uh, that's a gift bag. It's got all kinds of goodies in it, and we just want to bless you and say thank you for being our guest. You can stop by the Connect Center on the way out, fill out a Connect card, and, and we'll give you a bag because we're excited that you're here with us, so be sure and do that. Our safety team, who we love and appreciate, always appreciate when we point out the exits just to let you know. You can see there's two there, there's one there, and if everyone will turn and look that direction, if you'll notice there's an individual standing there. That is not an actual human being. I just need you to know that because I'm having to keep reminding myself that it's a mannequin. So I keep, when we first got here this morning, I kid you not, I didn't know there was a mannequin back there. And during rehearsal, I keep looking going, who is that guy? It's creepy. He hasn't moved in like 30 minutes. And I play not thinking about it during rehearsal. We're talking, and then I look, and he's still there. I mean, so I'm just letting you know, some of you are going to look back there and you're going to jump again because... It's just creepy. So anyway, our student ministry, <laughs> leave it up to our student ministry, Jay, Pastor Jason, them, they're selling t-shirts and whatnot, so they've, they bought a dude. They bought a mannequin. I don't know. I've seen too many bad movies over the years, so they creep me out a little bit, almost like clowns, but not quite as bad. So anyway, I'm just doing that for your own safety, <laughs> maybe mine. So uh, also to let you know, uh, all of our adult classes are, are being uh, postponed right now because of the spike in COVID, at least through January. We want to take a little break here and let the dust settle on this thing, and we're going to keep praying into and believing this thing's going to be, it's going to shift and change and, and get better. We also just take note of those uh, that you know who have COVID, who are, who are fighting that fight, and just let's be in prayer for one another, family. We need to be continue to lift each other up and hold each other up. There's a lot of folks right now. It's really spiking, so be sure and keep each other in prayer. But anyway, uh, if you're in a class and that's been meeting regularly, you might want to contact your leader of that class or that ministry just to make sure uh, if there's been a change in what you're doing. So anyway, just getting that done. Also, um, just to let you know, we want to pray for our kids as they get ready. But we're going to do I'm sorry, we're going to do communion first. I'm totally discombobulated. Brain fog, I had COVID. I'm going to use that for about a year, by the way. <laughs> Russ said I could at least use it for a year, so I'm going to dismiss, do that to brain fog. So I want, we're going to celebrate communion today. And I shared this in the first service because it means so much to me, but when I was a pastor in Abilene, we had a lot of students come to our church, and they were Churches of Christ students because of Abilene Christian University. 
Yeah, yay, ACU. We love that school. And, but we were not a Church of Christ church. We were a non-denominational church. And man, spirit-led, spirit-filled. We were wild for God. And, and we had a wonderful time. But we drew about 80 to 100 college students every weekend to our church. And uh, we kind of didn't know what to do with them in a sense, not in a bad way. And so I met with Pastor, oh, Minister, the minister, Mike Cope at uh, the Highland Church of Christ there in Abilene. And, and I just said, Mike, help me understand communion because that's not been a strong part of my tradition. And so help me understand why you guys do it every week. And he was so patient and so gracious. We had a great conversation. And I walked out of his office. First of all, I've made a new friend, a new brother in Christ, but also having a greater understanding and value for communion. Ever since then, Anywhere where I've been in leadership, we have always instituted communion for, on a weekly basis because I believe in the value of every week taking a moment to press pause on the drama of life and remember him and literally clear the clutter, clear the cobwebs just for a little bit, stop the world long enough to say, Jesus, this is really all about you and we celebrate our communion with you. Now, if you didn't receive a cup on the way in or pick one up or just didn't see them, raise your hand. We'll get one of these to you. And I want you to know everyone here is welcome to the table. Everyone here is welcome to Jesus' table. So if you need one, just slip your hand up. We've got folks coming this way, and they're going to get those to you. So as they make their way, be sure and raise your hand. For those of you that already have your cup and those of you watching online, be sure and celebrate with us with whatever you find there. And so for those of you that are here, if you would, this is a pro tip, if you'll peel the, the clear layer first and then the gold layer. There we go. Don't pull them completely off. You'll regret it. All right. So we got those coming. Is everybody taken care of? Great. So I always like to try to enter into the heart of Jesus and really the mindset of Jesus. On that night. And the Bible says it was the night before he was betrayed. So this led into and initiated a week of, of just really the craziest part of Jesus' life, the last week of his life before his crucifixion. And you have to wonder about Jesus' mindset that night. I do. I think like that. So I always try. I'm very empathetic. I'm an empath to the max. So I try to enter in and go, what was he thinking? What was Jesus feeling that night, knowing that everything was about to blow up for these guys, these disciples that he had walked with for three years, that he loved, that he valued, that he, he was a friend and he was a dad sometimes. He was a coach sometimes, a mentor, a rabbi, a teacher, but also a friend. He loved them deeply. And he knew that their whole world was about to get flipped upside down. And so he's sitting there knowing that, and he does something curious. He picks up a piece of bread. It's probably a matzah bread. It's an unleavened bread. He picks it up more like a cracker, and he says, this is my body. Is there around the table? This is my body, broken for you. Remember, they don't have context yet. Context is king, we say around here as we teach the scripture. But they had no context for what he was saying. He said, this is my body. He picked up a goblet of wine, what we'd call a common cup, and he picked it up and he said, this is my blood poured out for you, spilled out for you. He 
said, it will be for the remission, that means removal, of many sins. He said, as often as you're gathered like this, like what? Well, they were enjoying a fellowship meal. They were fellowshipping. They were gathered like us, fellowshipping, enjoying each other. He says, as often as you do this, he said, I want you to do this and remember me. So that's what we're doing today. We're remembering Jesus. Those of you online, too, join us in this. This has been a wild year, has it not, 2020? But you know what? My perspective on that is look what God has done. Look how amazing he's been. The world, we already know the world's going to lose its mind off and on. I mean, this has been history. Just look at history. But to know that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, to know that and have the joy of our salvation on display confounds a world that's losing its mind right now. How weird is it for us to be joyful when everybody else is crying out that the sky is falling, the sky is falling? All of that because of Jesus. And so for this moment, as we celebrate our union with Christ, be grateful, be thankful, be joyful, and just thank him, remember him in this moment. So after he did that, he prayed, he blessed the elements, and then they took them together. Father, in Jesus' holy name, his precious name, we're here before you, sons and daughters, friends and family, and guests. We're here before you, fellowshipping, enjoying one another, enjoying gathering today. And as we do, we remember Jesus. We remember you. We're thankful for you. thankful that yours is the name that is above all names, the name by which every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that you're Lord, you're King. We're thankful that we get to remember that today. We remind ourselves in this moment of who you are and how good you are. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take the elements. So we're going to pray for our children now as they get ready to go off to their bridge kids classes. So if you're a child and you're going to be going to class today, why don't you stand up right where you are. We're just going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our children. Thank you for the next generation. They are truly difference makers. Lord, thank you for those that are, that are continuing to volunteer, to serve, to bless, to teach, to lead them, to model by example what it means to live out loud for Jesus. Bless them in their time together today in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. Can we pray for our clap for our children? Just lift them up. Amen. Amen. So as they go to their classes, we've got our guys coming around. They're just collecting the elements there, so the trash there. You be sure to just put it in there. I want to remember that uh, we're going to talk today uh, in the message in just a minute. Uh, we're going to have one of these elements in part of it. And I was visiting with Russ. He, he wrote me his word for the year, my one word. His word for the year is generosity. And uh, I'm thinking, man, this guy's already generous. He's already gives of his time and his heart and his passion and every week, week in and week out. But that's his, that's his word for the year. And I just want to say thank you for all of you that are so generous. This uh, Russ said it a couple weeks ago. It's one of the most generous churches he's ever been a part of. And I have to say, it's the most generous church I've ever seen, ever been a part of. 
and I want to say thank you. For those of you that have given to the year-end offering, I want to say thank you. Uh, we were shooting for $910,000. We, we got about $55,000, and praise God for it. Amen? When I worked for Dave Ramsey, I had a guy, he was one of the coaches for all of us, and anytime we got anything, if we ever complained or said, oh, but it wasn't, I didn't reach my, he goes, hey, it's more than you had, it's more than you had. That is all he said, all, more than you had. And boy, that is so burned into my heart, and I'm thankful, thankful for, for your giving. By the way, we are almost, we're not far off the mark of being halfway down from our debt where we started a year and and however many months ago, a year and a half ago. So we're already almost about 40% down. We're in a great position. I want to say thank you for your generosity. And also, for you guys giving today, uh, those of you that give online, thank you for doing that. That matters and makes a huge difference. I want to show you, um, we have our ways to give up there, and you see that. But I also want to get the names of the ministries that we are blessed to support. So I want you to get your eyes on that. And one of those may stand out to you. And if they do, won't you pray for them while we pray for the offering today. If you are giving today here in-house, you'll notice there's boxes on the doorways over here, these black boxes. And during this next song, you can get up from your seat and go give uh, in that box. And I ask that you just bless it as you give it. And uh, thank you for doing so. Let's pray together. Lord, it is our privilege in our heart to be generous because we know... <laughs> We look the most like you when we're generous. We are thankful. And I'm thankful for our church family, our Bridge Church, so generous and so giving. Lord, today, it is a privilege to do what we do. We love you and we honor you in our giving. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Why don't you stand together as we worship together and give.
church. <laughs> Please be seated, would you? We're going to go ahead and turn the lights on for a sermon note-taking. So a number of years ago, Annette and I stumbled onto this thing called My One Word, and it's just very simple. I've mentioned it here several times, and uh, before that, I was the typical resolution guy, like on, you know, between that little stretch between the Christmas day and New Year's Eve, I'd go, oh, wait, I haven't come up with any resolution. So I'd sit down with a piece of paper and a yellow pad or, or a pen and or maybe on my computer, and I'd just start pounding out these resolutions. And a lot of times they weren't well thought through. They were just things I'd like to do or things I'd like to see happen in the coming year. And I'd get about, you know, seven deep into that or eight or nine or ten. And, and then it would dawn on me, you know, I haven't even really thought these through. I haven't really spent time with them. And then I, I would say, okay, I need to back up a little bit. I need to be more thoughtful in this. And then I'd sit down with the family while we're eating our black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. and say, all right, everybody, I want you to share your resolutions. And I'd get blank stares through the whole, from the whole family. And I thought, well, okay, I'll share mine. And then I would share them. And then about three weeks to a month into it, I either forgot where I put them, where I stored them, or what I wrote down. Does anybody else feel the same kind of issue, pain? All right. So um, I came upon this thing called by one word. And the, the principle is, is that you come up with a word that captures a theme, perhaps, of something you'd like to lean toward, like to focus on. And I found that for me, that worked way, way better. In fact, if you were to come to my house, we have over the years that we've done this, whatever our theme is, we'll order a steel or it's a metal, white metal sign, about this big, of that word. So Annette would have one, you know, like thankful, and mine would be like inspire, and the next year would be like engage, and the next year would be discover. And so we've, we've come up with these words the years, and we have them all over our house, and we're thinking by the time we're 80 or 90, our whole house would be wallpapered in these things and be like all metal. But, but so we've got these areas where we put them, and we just ordered our sign for this year because interesting factoid, and I shared this a few, couple weeks ago, but Annette and I, for the first time that we've ever done this, we actually, apart from one another, came up with the same word. We thought that was really cool. It sounds like we're listening to the same author, amen, the same source. And so our word for 2021 is love. And that may sound innocuous or, oh, well, that's nice, but really, we're, the kind of love we're talking about is a radical love. It's a passionate love. It's it's looking beyond the events of 2020 and seeing beyond the stuff 
looking beyond the anger, the hatred, the everything that's happened over this last year, the intolerance, all the things that have happened, looking beyond that into the heart of those uh, that are on the other side of that. Because you have to know, family, behind every sign, behind every protest, behind every brick thrown, behind every whatever has happened, craziness of this last year, is a human being for whom Christ died. Can I get an amen? I mean, whether we're talking about, you know, Muslim or, or what, I mean, I don't care where we go, what we say. These are people. Everyone is a soul for whom Jesus died. And sometimes with the media onslaught and barrage, if you're anything like me, you start to forget that after a while. And then it's easy to get caught up in the, in the tornado of media of, of, I need to hate them, I need to dislike them, I need to be angry, I need to, ah, I need to protest, ah, and then we're mad. And the whole time the Holy Spirit's going, whoa, whoa, check, 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 throwing penalty flags right and left. It's like, wait, stop, what are you doing, what are you thinking? And so love was just, man, in fact, it wasn't even a question as, as I was thinking about it. It was like, there it was. I was like, okay. Now I shared it with Annette. She's like, oh my God, that's my word too. So we ordered one sign this year. So, so we'll have one side that represents this year. Now you have to understand, I learned this principle through when I was a youth pastor, 14 years as a youth pastor. I know, <laughs> kind of obvious, right? And so uh, and what I learned as I grew older is that we all never really grow up. We just get older. <laughs> but we're really, mentality-wise, we all still think we can jump 32 inches off the ground, have a vertical leap and Still think we can dunk a basketball and still think we can, you know, run, at, run that pattern that we ran in high school football. We can't. I'm just saying. It's not going to happen. So we, but our mentalities don't really change. We just cover it better as we get older. And so being a 14-year youth pastor, I realized that every time I had my students, we had a big youth group in California, and there was over 100 students. I'd get like halfway through a, a message that I just bled out for. I was like, oh, so passionate and on fire. And, and I just have blank stares. And I was like, hey, okay, either I'm really unanointed and no, don't know what I'm talking about, or, or, or maybe it's just TMI. And I realized I was just overdoing it. Just like I was preaching to them like I was preaching at a Promise Keepers event of thousands of people, you know. And <laughs> we have 100 kids staring there going, is he done yet? So... So I realized it was TMI. I had committed the, that sin. I was just giving them too much. And so I dialed it back and took a lesson for myself. And I said, all right, I'm going to give them one nugget a week. So if they're in my youth group, they either came on Sunday morning. Monday night was our big youth meeting. And we called it Generation Church. That was our big thing, big band, big everything. And then on Wednesday night, we had a smaller group that met together. So they had three opportunities to hang out with us. So most of our students, I had at least once a week. And I thought, if every time we're together, I can give them a nugget. Not a book, not a novel, not a thesis, not a doctoral paper. If I can give them a nugget, then in 52 weeks, that's 52 nuggets. That's a lot of truth. That's a lot of life principles. That's a lot of Jesus. And so I dialed it back and I started preaching one bullet sermons and shorter and more. And it, lo and behold, they caught it. And we saw a revival happen with that youth group. It was powerful. So that has helped me understand why one word works for me because it's not TMI. 
and maybe it'll help you too. So what I did, I put this out on social media and said, hey, my one word for this year is love. And I did a little graphic for it. And, and I said, what's yours? And I got a bunch of responses. And so what I did, and a lot of these are your responses, people from our church or people that have been in my churches in the past, wrote and said, hey, here's my word for the year. In fact, several people came up after the first service and said, hey, here's my word for the year. Man, I'm like, that's a good one. Man, maybe I'll have four words this year or 20 by the time it's over with because you all have some great words. But I want to share with you just a handful of what you came up with because it really, as we turn the corner into a new year, if you haven't picked a word for the year, I want to ask you to encourage you to try this. Give it a shot. Not that you have to throw away your resolution list, but maybe one word will help you. And so I want to look at it. And so I want to show you the, the title slide here. And I'm calling this, This Is Your Blank Slate. Anybody remember a slate? <laughs> you know, it was called a chalkboard back in the days, right? Now they're whiteboards, right, with a marker. And so back in the day, we actually had real chalkboards. So we call it a blank slate or a clean slate. And uh, this is yours as we talk about this new year. 2021 is your blank slate. And you hold the chalk the pen or the keyboard, whichever it may be, you hold it and you get to write your story for this year. Obviously, in cooperation with Jesus, in cooperation with him. So what is the story you will write? What are you going to write on your blank slate? Always starts clean, new. That's kind of like the turn of a year, the turn of a season, because it feels like a fresh start, a new beginning. So I want to share some of the words, and the question is, what will you write? What are you going to write this year? What will yours look like? So here's some. You can see that, but I want to share the scripture that's on here, and uh, it's, it's this, for I'm about to do something new. This is Isaiah 43. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Anybody here need refreshment from this last year? Would anybody relate to this scripture and say, last year did feel a bit like a wasteland? Last year did feel a bit like a wilderness, like a desert. Now, I have to understand, I lived in Southern California twice in my lifetime. The second time we lived in what's known as, Chuck knows this, the high desert. The high desert, I, I affectionately call that the armpit of America. But I'm just saying, because it is like, it is dry, barren, hot, windy. The Santa Ana winds come down through the Cone Pass close to where we lived. I mean, roaring, sustained winds of 80, 90 to 100 miles an hour. And then if that wasn't bad enough, the fires came up in the mountains. So we lived close to a couple of mountain rains, the Mariana Mountains, which are the desert mountains. Uh, uh, Big Bear, you may have heard of Big Bear. It's where they do the Winter Olympics. We lived there. But there, inevitably, there were fires up there, and the sky would turn. And so we got it all living in the high desert, not to mention the heat, which was just unbelievable, especially for a guy like me who rode a motorcycle. It was crazy. That was my only mode of transportation at the time. And it was hot and barren and dry. However, a couple of times a year, we'd get these deluge rainfalls up in the desert. And overnight, like literally a day or two would, would pass by, and the desert would bloom. 
it would come to life. Now, it didn't last because the heat would just kill it out in a few days. But for a couple of times a year, the desert would come to life. Why? Because those seeds were always out there. They just needed some water. A lot of us through 2020 feel a lot like that desert. It's dry. There's no water. There's seeds there, but they just need some water. Could it be, and you've probably heard this scripture quoted over the years around the turn of a new year, I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Would you, with the eyes of faith, be able to look into and trust that God is up to something on your behalf? In fact, I want to do a declaration. I didn't do this in the first service, but I just feel this so strongly. Like sometimes we need to hear ourselves say something to declare or a decree to get it out of our mouths so that our own ears hear what we're saying. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, the message of God, the message of Christ. So say this with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I choose to trust, to believe, to act on faith that God is up to something good on my behalf, good things are coming my way. More faith is coming my way. Opportunities are coming my, day, my way. Open doors are coming my way. And I choose and I receive by faith His goodness, His grace, His mercy, His love. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. What did you do? You just stirred yourself up by hearing yourself declare the truths of God's word about you. And it's powerful. It's powerful. So I want to go in and dive into some of these words. So these are your, my one words. It's hard to say and make it make sense. But these are yours that you posted. And I want to open them up just a little bit because I think they're worth examining and if you haven't chosen a word for this year, I invite you to take one of these. Invite one of these. I had so many that came in my way, and even between services, I could only handle a few. So we're going to do these, this for this week and next week. So first one we're going to look at is the word intentional. Someone wrote, I'm going to be intentional. Oh, man, I love that word. I, I jump all over that word. Here's what it means. It means to be focused. It means to be purposeful. To be intentional means to do something on purpose and with purpose. To be intentional means to, be, to have vision, to be vision-oriented. I love that too. And to be mindful. What is the word mindful? It means to be present. Mindful means to be aware. So when you're intentional, you're aware, you're present, you're vision-oriented, you're looking, you're seeing, you're doing what you do on purpose, with purpose by purpose, for a purpose. And isn't that how God has wired us, to live on purpose and with a purpose? With a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. Proverbs 29, 18, and I'm actually quoting the King James Version. Believe it or not, mark it down in your Bibles. This is history for me. So I never knew Elizabethan English. I wasn't raised in church. So when I first came to Christ and somebody handed me my first King James Version Bible, I'm like, I'm sorry, what is this? 
I had a hard time with it. And over time, I grew to love the, the language and the beauty of the literary value of it. But here it is, Proverbs 29, 18, in the King James Version. Um, the colonel would be very proud of me this morning, I'm just saying. So verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I broke these words down because it's so important to understand what this word vision means. Where there is no prophetic sight. In fact, the English Standard Version def as actually translates it, where there is no prophetic vision. So, and I'll, break, I'll talk about that in just a minute. So, where there is no vision, prophetic sight or vision or revelation, then the people perish. In other words, if there is an inability to see prophetically into what is happening and what is coming, what's happening right now and where things are going, if you can't see or have that kind of vision, that kind of revelation, that kind of sight or awareness, then it says the people perish. Now, look what the word perish means. I put it in brackets for you. It means to expose, to uncover, to be naked, to avoid or to neglect. Another way to say that is to pass over intentionally. It's like an intentional avoidance, intentional neglect. So where there is no vision, where there's no prophetic sight, no vision, no prophetic revelation, the people are exposed and uncovered. I look at it like this. I always look at it that I live under a canopy of grace, so to speak. And though the world may be, railing, uh, uh, may be raining hailstones, but because I'm under a canopy of grace, I'm covered. To be uncovered means to be exposed to the elements. For example, my dad, he was a big motorcycle guy when I grew up. I mean, he raced motorcycles, he rode street bikes, he, he did it all. And I remember every year we would go uh, get on a motorcycle. One year my brother would sit on the back of my dad's bike I would sit on the back the next year, and we would go to Ruidosa. We would go up to, uh, up to Colorado. One year, we rode all the way up to the Grand Tetons in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and all that on a motorcycle. And listen, there were a lot of opportunities to be uncovered. And I remember driving through New Mexico one time, and this storm came up. We were out literally in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of middle of nowhere in New Mexico, I'm just saying. We were in the middle of nowhere, and this hailstorm came up and just started pummeling us. There were no trees. There was nothing. We finally just blew into this little town, and we found one old awning, like a canopy under an old abandoned store. And I have to tell you something. When we went underneath that rusty, ugly, unpainted, old, dilapidated canopy, it felt like a piece of heaven compared to what we just came out of. We were covered. Before we were uncovered, we were exposed to everything and anything that came our way. That's what this word means. It, the idea of perishing is to be uncovered and exposed to anything that comes your way. Let me tell you something. God loves you so much. He wants to cover you. He wants you to rest under his pinions, the scripture says, under his wings almost like a mother chick, a mother, mother hen over chicks. He wants us to rest up under the shadow of his wings and find what? Cover. Why? So we don't perish. This idea of a prophetic vision, depending on your tradition and where you came from, you know, my, I start off Baptist. I was Southern Baptist, 
I thought John was a Baptist. I was certain of that because the Bible says he's John the Baptist. I mean, that was just my, my background. So here I, and I went to a Southern Baptist school, Howard Payne University. Then I went to a Southern Baptist seminary, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas on the, the holy hump as we called it. And so that my whole background was Southern Baptist until I ran head on into the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want to introduce myself to you. You know Jesus and the Father really well, but you don't know me at all. And I had an introduction to the Holy Spirit, and my whole world went boom. It's like I went from, from, a, from an iPhone 4 to an iPhone 12XS Max. I mean, just vivid life. I mean, I went from analog to digital. I went from, from 720 to, to 4K. I mean, everything, clarity, life, and hope, all that happened because Holy Spirit chased me down and pursued me, praise God. That's how much he loves me. And in that process, I was introduced to a whole new way of thinking when it came to spiritual things. Things I had once been afraid of and people that I was once afraid of became my friends, my brothers, and my sisters, and I learned and I grew. And one of those things I learned about was the power of the gift of the prophetic. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds or pastors and teachers, the five-fold ministry. And I was good with most of those, but I was pretty, pretty in the dark about the prophetic version of all of that. And what I learned, and I have come to value the prophetic in fact, whether you know it or not, not to freak you out, we, we say leak out, don't freak out around here, right? We want to leak this out. But sitting among you are those who have extremely accurate, powerful gifts of prophecy themselves. I know, don't start looking around going, are you one of those? I mean, they're all over the place. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter helped us understand that a prophecy that was given to the prophet Joel or Joel in the Old Testament, had been realized in the New. And it was on the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, the, the prophecy, the Joel or Joel prophecy was released that said this, where God said, he said, I will pour out in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Look around the room. We are all flesh here. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What does that mean to prophesy? It's declarative. It is both foretelling and forthtelling. Both. Now, I grew up in a tradition where it was all about, about forthtelling. Preach the gospel. Preach what the, the known truth is. The tribe and the truth. Stay with that. But when I branched out and when I had my introduction into the third person of the Trinity the lesser known, Holy Spirit, I suddenly experienced the gift of prophecy. And what happened is I now could not only foretell and preach the gospel, but sometimes, and it was nothing I ever predicted or tried to do, I would actually be preaching and God would highlight somebody in the congregation and say, I have a word for that individual. Now, I wouldn't in front of everybody, but after the service, I might walk up to somebody and say, hey, could I share something with you? 
And here's how I would do it. I'd say, I think God may have a word for you. I was never one of these, let me just tell you something. Thus saith the Lordeth, I have a wordeth for youeth. I mean, I just could not go there because I'm fallible. I could misunderstand. I misunderstand a net from the next room. So, I mean, I, I could miss something. So I'm really careful with that. But I would like share that word. I'd say, hey, brother, let me just share what, what I think God's saying. And if that resonates in you, hang on to it. Accept it. If it doesn't, put it on the back burner, burner and hit simmer. Just let it sit back. Maybe it's for another time. Or maybe it's, maybe I just missed. But I want to I give you this. And I would share that word. And it's amazing that when that word goes forth, what it releases. In the scriptures, in the New Testament, in Corinthians, it says that the prophetic prophecy is for encouragement and for edification and comfort. Man, that is a New Testament gift of prophecy. Encouragement, comfort, and edification, meaning to build up. So when, you, when somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm, I think I have a word for you. I just want you to know that judgment is sitting at the gate of your home, and the devil is right outside the door crouching. I, you know what I say to that? I go, no, thank you. I don't receive that because that's not comfort, edification, or encouragement. Does that make sense? So I was introduced to this beautiful gift, prophetic sight, where there is no vision, the people perish. To live an intentional life is to live a life of vision. Oh, but why not lean into the prophetic vision? Y'all don't know this, but I actually operate my life off of a prophetic vision, a prophetic blueprint that was given to me in 1992 by a guy named Jim LaFoon. It drives me. It speaks to my heart. And it's actually become a blueprint for my life. So I love and value the prophetic. Here's another word that was given in our list of one words. It's the word miracle. Let me tell you who gave me this word, who wrote this on, on, as a comment on my social media. Judith Rost. For those of you who don't know, Judith is one of our precious, precious saints. Precious members. Leonard and Judith, we love them. They're family to us. But she now has stage four lymphoma. It's serious. It's really serious. You know what she needs? A miracle. She needs a miracle. In fact, join me right now. Why don't we pray for her together? Wouldn't it be nice for her to know 100, people, 100 plus people prayed for her today? Join me in this. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we ask for a miracle on Judah's behalf. Would you do what only you could do? Father, if you choose to use medicine and doctors and treatment, praise God. We welcome that. In fact, we don't care how you do it, Lord. We just ask you to perform a miracle on behalf of Judah's life. That's her word for 2021. Oh God, would you deliver that word to her in spades? We trust you. We believe God. That not only are you able, we believe you're willing on her behalf. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You know what we just did? We prayed audaciously. We prayed boldly. And here's the thing about a miracle. Once you look at the definition, you'll see it. It's believing that the God who worked miracles is still in the miracle working business. Do you believe that God still works miracles? I had several people come up to me after the first service say, let me tell you about my miracle. I'm like, whoa, I mean, it floored me. It was amazing. 
So let me ask you, just do a survey. I wish I'd done this in the first service. I didn't. How many of you sitting in this room right now, right where you are, and you listening online, you can chime in on this by leaving a comment. How many of you, by the raising of your hand, would say, I have experienced a bona fide, genuine miracle of God? Look around the room, family. Keep your arms up. Keep your hands up. Don't tell me God isn't a miracle-working God. I don't know what your miracle is, but it was enough for you to say, no, I had a miracle. I know God showed up. He is in the miracle-working business. It's interesting about praying for healing. I, I remember years ago, we were in another church, and we were praying, and we were not seeing a breakthrough. We were, man, we were standing as a church, believing and believing, and nothing was happening. And somebody came up to me and said, I don't think you should be praying for healing. And I said, why not? And he said, you're just getting people's hopes up. I said, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? The word hope, biblically defined, means joyful and confident expectation of a desired good. Are we not in the business of getting people's hopes up? I mean, where would we be without getting our hopes up? Should we in the be in the business of getting their hopes down? Would that be better? Let's just undercut everybody's legs. In fact, God doesn't work anymore. That's for, that was for another dispensation. No, we're just going to operate in cessationism. God ceased with the closing of the canon of the scripture. Whoa, wait a minute. Half of you just told me you've experienced a real deal miracle. Hmm. You're living, walking proof that the God who healed, the God who works, the God who moves is still the God who heals, works, and moves. Amen? I remember telling somebody who said, we, we shouldn't pray for people. It gets their hopes up. I'm like, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to stir faith, try stir belief. And then they said to me, but what if God doesn't heal them? And I looked at them and said, what if he does? See, we're so afraid that the outcome depends on our activity that we don't even give God a chance to do what he says he'll do. Listen, how many of you have played putt-putt golf? Just to see your hand. Okay. So we know what I'm talking about here. So I, I used a golf illustration. I realized first probably need to do putt-putt this time. So you all know what it means to putt. Here's the deal. Did you know this is a physiological fact, physical, this is physics, that if you never hit the ball with enough force to get to the hole, it will never go in. <laughs> there have been a lot of times on a golf course I forgot that principle. It didn't go in. Well, you didn't hit it far enough. It, you gave it no chance. Do you know if we never pray for somebody, we're not giving it a chance. We're always putting short. Because what if God doesn't do it? And I'm thinking, give him a chance. Put past the hole. You may miss it. You may go past it. But at least you gave him a chance the way I, I look at it is, this is what I was telling Annette, and we were talking about our, our end-of-year offering. We were, we were asking God for $910,000. That's a little bold. But he's a big God, right? He created Australia, right? So he's big. So go, bold, go big or go home. I worked for Dave Ramsey. That that's, was his deal. And so we're praying for $910,000. Well, we got about $55,000. Well, that's more than we had, Amen. So we shot for the sun, and we hit the moon. But at least we hit something. Amen? 
What if we hadn't believed at all? What if we didn't even do a year-end offer? We're now applying $55,000 to our debt load. We're almost halfway down on our debt load in, in 18 months. And that was $1.3 is where we started. Hey, don't tell me God can't show up. But have we not believed? Have we not shot? So here's the deal. In the words of the great theologian Wayne Gretzky. Anybody remember Gretzky? <laughs> here's what his standard, his standard thing was this. His greatest mantra ever. He says, how does he say it? <laughs> totally forgot. I was so caught up in that. I missed it. <laughs> he says this. I miss, I got it. I miss 100% of the shots I never take. Listen, listen to the wisdom in that. I miss 100% of the shots I never take. Family, if we're not taking shots on this miracle thing, we're never going to experience it. Somebody prayed for you, and you got a miracle. Somebody believed. My, here's the bottom line. We don't believe in miracles until we need one. And then when life happens, a diagnosis happens, something happens, a house burns down, we suddenly go, we, need, we go find the freaky people, the weird people, the ones that will believe God for anything, and we say, pray for me. Amen? Come on. I've gotten calls before, and I thought, I must be one of those people because I get these calls from time to time. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm like, I must be one of those weirdos. No, I'm not. I'm just somebody who believes God's still in the miracle business. Could it be this year for you, this might be your miracle year. I'd say 2021 is a good year for miracles, wouldn't you? Why not here? Why not now? Why not you? Don't put short, family. Don't aim for the moon. Aim for the sun. Pray, because what if he does? So what if he doesn't? So here's another, because this is what everybody's wondering. Well, there's the elephant in the room. What if he doesn't? Well, so what? You haven't lost anything. Still more than you had. You haven't lost a thing. So why are we afraid? What, is it, we're afraid that God's reputation is going to get hurt? No, we're not. We're afraid of our reputation. Amen? We're worried about it. He's not. At some point, we'll stand up and believe God's word for what it says and just roll with it and say, God, you're, this is your word. I'm just standing on your word. And whatever happens, it's, it's, I'm not going to take it. It's, it's just you. Can I get an amen? amen. In verse uh, 4 of Hebrews chapter 2, it says this, While God also bore witness... Look at this. This is how God attested to the work. Signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Isn't that beautiful? Listen, the God who did miracles still does miracles. And if you need one, why don't we just start asking? Start putting past the hole. Sooner or later, you're going to hit the hole. Amen? Amen. I want the worship team to make their way up. Got a couple more here. Generosity. This is Russ's word, which is funny. He's one of the most generous people I know. But he, he's like, man, I'm leaning into this. I'm like, man, if you're not generous, this year's going to be crazy if you're going for it. Look what it means. We look the most like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit when we are operating in consistent and infectious generosity. This is preaching to the choir at this church. I want you to know that. You are generous. This church, Russ said it a couple weeks ago, it's the most generous church I've ever been a part of. Me too. 
Me too. And I'm so thankful for you. Thank you because you look a lot like him. I'm just saying. Listen to this scripture, Luke 6, 37. Judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. You see the exchange here? Listen, the pattern? Listen to verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Man, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I loved Captain Crunch. And then they came out with Crunch Berries. Anybody remember that? Man, I love that stuff. But I was always disappointed because every time I got a box and opened it up, it was only three quarters full. And then there was this little stamp on the lid when you opened it up. It said, some settling of contents may occur. Remember that? There's no telling where that had shipped off from. I mean, planes, trains, and automobiles. By the time it got to me, it was so pressed down, compacted. But the scripture we just read says it's all of those things. <laughs> Look what it says. Give will be given. Look, good measure. So the Crunchberry started at the top of the box in the factory, right? Pressed down, shaken together. But here's the difference. When it comes to God, you don't get three quarters of the box. You get it running over. Come on, somebody. The Bible calls God himself in the scripture says, I'm El Shaddai. You know what the word El Shaddai means? It literally means the God of more than enough. Some people think El Shaddai means El Chipo. It doesn't. It means the God of more than enough. He's the God who's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, boom, into your lap. That's the God you serve. That means God's not holding out on you, family. I don't care what you think you see, but with prophetic vision, we've got to begin to see beyond the current circumstance and see he is El Shaddai. He is the God of more than enough. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we need to lean into this year and say, you know what? I'm going to receive that. I'm going to believe that because God is able. He doesn't just own the cattle on a thousand hills, family. He owns the hills that the cattle are on. He owns the whole shebang. And yet, he's generous. He has it all. He takes his son. He says, Jesus, I got some good news and bad news for you. Good news in the end, it's going to be amazing. You'll be back. But in the short term, I'm sending you on an assignment. He said, you're going to go down there, and you're going to be born like a baby. And you're going to grow up like a human. You're going to be in the mix. You're going to bleed. You're going to get cough. You're going to deal with life. And as a young adult, you're going to be betrayed, mocked, beaten to a bloody pulp. And then they're going to kill you. For God so loved you that he gave. That's why I say when we're generous, we look the most like our father. Because he gave the best he had, the most he had. The best, the most. There's nothing higher than releasing your own son. Knowing what's going to happen. He had prophetic vision. He saw and yet knowing what it would produce. He 
he loves you that much. That's generosity. It's not about dollars and cents. We get so hung up on the most basic stuff. We just miss the whole beautiful piece of it. Generosity is everything you are, not just your bank account. It's your heart, your passion, your focus, your vision. Even what we talked about, your intentionality. When that is focused, you're being generous towards him. And when you're generous towards him, he supplies you, and you can be generous towards everyone else with your time, your talents, your abilities, the whole love that's in you leaking out everywhere you go. Why? Because you're generous. So maybe that's your word this year. You should, you should practice generosity without money being in the, in, in the equation and let it take on a new meaning for you. Maybe that's your word for the year. Whatever it is, can I pray with you right now as we close? We're going to close in worship. We're going to sing a song about grace. It's so amazing. But as we do, I want you to I want to just pray with you. I'm going to ask the Lord to give you a word. Give you a word for this year. And I want to invite you to write it down and let me know what it is. If God's given it to you, send it to me. I'd love to hear what your word is. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for these words that have come in and how people are focusing on you and getting their life and in a place of order, even just with a theme. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Lord, I pray for our family here and those watching online that are with us as well, Lord. Father, what is one word? Would you release a word that would capture the heart of what you want to see and what each person here wants to see in the coming year. Our word was love, and I'm already on fire for it and excited. It's already shaping the way I see people and the way I view our world right now through the lens of love. It's already shaping me. Thank you. And I pray that for every person listening, watching, or here in person, Lord. Would you give them a word? So right now, right where you are, if you, haven't, if you don't have a one word, would you just ask him under your breath to say, Lord, uh, give me a word. Give me one word. Or what is my one word for 2021? Just however that rolls off your tongue, go ahead and ask. Lord, even as folks are asking, I, I'm reminded of the scripture where Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. And it will be given to you. So, Lord, as we ask, I would ask that you give each person a word. Thank you, Lord. We honor you and love you. In Jesus' name, let's all stand together. Let's worship on our way out.
Chains are gone. I've been set free. 
Amen. And amen. Thank you. Be a blessing as you go. God bless you.